Hello and welcome to another fantastic episode of the Fantastic Mr. Podcast. I am Justin Strange here in my new office at my new home that I bought with this new internet. Pretty excited and not running off a hotspot anymore. This is going to be awesome. I'm also here with my good buddy, Zach, and just okay, Jake. Ooh, hello. Howdy. <laughs> and today we're going to actually talk about the differences between virtual production versus green screen, kind of like the the pros and cons of, of both, kind of what goes into making them and all that good stuff. So sit back, relax, and let's get to it. Let's start with virtual product. Actually, let's start with green screen. It's a little more. Uh, let's I start think with green screen. Yeah, I think it's a little more well known than virtual production. Uh, I don't. I think when people hear virtual production, they don't really under. They might think like no virtual. Clue. Yeah, virtual reality, which is you know kind of on the. Uh, they're kind of borderline, but it's a little different. So green screen. Um, if you ever watch the news, anytime a, a weather person is standing. In front of a camera, there's always a map behind them. Well, they're standing in front of what's called a green screen uh, or sometimes blue, depending on, I don't know. I don't really know that. I mean, I know the difference. One's green, one's blue, but I don't know why or when you would use one or the other. But um, it's basically it. You stand in front of it and then eventually, like in post-production, usually we'll stick the footage behind it so you watch movies like um sky captain in the world of tomorrow that's all filmed on green screen um everything that's there is completely not there when the actors are filming it um they're all standing in front of green screen the entire time and having to act with nothing behind them and then you have movies like um the jungle book the live action version was filmed in front of a green screen uh, most green screen um so uh just quick question when is the what is the first movie you can remember being shot in front of a green screen zach Mm. or blue screen it doesn't matter just one of those keyed out screens i mean the easy answer for i think most people is probably the star wars episode one yeah that's my recollection the prequels were full of of blue screen specifically yeah. blue screen i think that was that was really the popularization of green screen and blue screen and george lucas had that technology in a chokehold right uh-huh. the entire movies were shot in front of a blue screen so that's probably the most popular one well i can tell you that in 1996 the first time i ever saw a green or a blue screen was the movie space jam with michael jordan mm-hmm. um oh. Whenever I was a kid, we had what was called what it's still a thing now. It's like video on demand where you, you know, go through these specific channels where you can rent movies through satellite, whatever satellite you had at the time. Uh, And we rented I probably rented Space Jam several, several times. And there was always like in between the, the, the showings of the movie, there was always like this little behind the scenes featurette. And it's, I think it's, it's probably on the, you know, DVD extras now, but um, back then that's what I had. And so um, I could see Michael Jordan, he's like playing basketball, but it's all green screen and he's playing against, you know, the Monstars, if you will. Yes. And they're, and it's just guys, you know, in like green jumpsuits. And then they'll be keyed in. They'll key in the the tunes later. Um, that was the first time I can remember seeing like a green screen, not really understanding what it was about. Because at the time I was probably nine or ten years old, um, so I didn't really understand what it was all, all about. I didn't really, and it's funny because I didn't really question it. I wasn't like, "What the heck's going on? Like, why?" I just kind of like accepted it as like, "This is how this is done." And then the the movies made later, you know, even as like a nine year old. I hadn't even I, I certainly didn't think about that movie as having green screen. Yeah. I honestly well. just kind of was like, oh, yeah, it's it's Michael Jordan and a whole bunch of cartoons. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they in reality, they, they could have the way they did it, I think, was a little more um, ahead of its time as opposed to maybe, you know, taking Michael Jordan and putting himself in front of a green screen and then just keying him in later, like like superimposing him in later, kind of like, you know. 
they do with um like Captain America where they have a kid play and then you know you have uh what's his face Chris Evans and then they superimpose Chris Evans head onto the kid's body kind of stuff oh, that skinny body yeah yeah oh yeah it was a kid I don't know why I said kid I mean he probably was a kid he's probably like 15 years old <laughs> just like some super skinny teenager that they needed to you know yeah. pretend it was Steve Rogers um but it, I, I'm, I was looking at this article about green screen and it says that um, it's been around for a long time but it was popularized for the film uh empire strikes back do you guys know that empire strikes back wow that's uh, this is on cg cg spectrum.com i never heard of this um website but it was kind of one of the first ones that came up on google so i just clicked it um i mean it kind of makes sense i guess um I would think it might be for like the space scenes and stuff. Well, yeah. I mean, a I know when, well, they did, when they did a new hope, um, they didn't use green screen at all. They used, they used actual, uh, rotoscoping in space. Oh, they used, miniatures? They used rotoscoping miniatures and rotoscoping. Yeah, yeah. It was an intensive process. Well, even in the, the beginning of empire when they're on Hoth and, you know, in the distance you see, uh, Luke on that. What are that? What is that thing called? He rides the Tauntaun. Yeah. And in the distance, you can tell it's you know stop motion. And then when they cut in, it's you know some sort of either animate animatronic or some guy in a suit that he's yeah. riding on. Um, but from a distance, you can tell it's kind of uh, stop motion. But it's that's what it says. It didn't say when or anything. Uh, it just says it was popularized for the film in the 1980s by procedures used. Oh, oh wait popularized for the film for film in the 1980s by procedures used in empire strikes back. So I wonder what that means. It just means like that they took things that they did in empire and then took that and applied it to green screen, I guess. So maybe, well, it, I mean, it sounds to me like they're just talking about the evolution of what they did. Yeah. In the original Star Wars movies, what they did in the original movies is essentially they did double exposures. Okay, that makes more sense. They they blacked out parts of the set, ran the film through the camera, recorded new footage with other blacked out parts. Like they've Mm -hmm. done that since like the early 1900s. Right. So that's your very beginning of it. Yeah. So they just did that and like and like made it better. (laughs) Yeah. And then Star Wars did something similar except they actually used multiple multiple uh film strips and then so they essentially shot one and then used the negative over like another one and they cut it out and it was like a really complex process so yeah i think that's just saying they yeah. the process evolved mm-hmm. yeah in all three exactly. in all three movies they really took advantage of matte paintings as backdrops for example yeah. on hoth um i kind of figured it looking at the, the movie especially in HD quality now with all the special editions and touching up, it looks like it's a painting. You know, yeah, with the animatronic uh, animated models of the eight, the adats and the, the ships, the snow speeders flying around. But it's it's done very well in in Return of the Jedi uh, when the Emperor arrives and Vader's waiting for him. There's a matte painting of all the troops. Uh, a lot of them are are matte, and you could you could see the difference from the matte shot to uh, the shot when it's a little bit closer up, and you could see uh, the, the troopers starting to move a little um, while they're waiting. But you, interesting, it's, it's yeah. I mean, backdrop to the battlefield of Hoth is a big one, and then mm-hmm. um, Yoda's planet of Dagobah. There was certain scenes that were matte. Uh, paintings. I don't know how many, how common matte paintings are now for for backdrops. Uh, Probably for, not for films. Probably not, especially with this virtual production going on. I mean, it's like the new age matte painting, right? Except for it can move around um, as opposed to just being still. Because you, know, you have movies like um, Citizen Kane who used matte paintings all over the place, and you know he even took matte paintings and poked holes in them and and you know ran lights underneath to make it look like it was people moving like he was pretty innovative though in his time so i wonder what he would have done you know now if you think about it orson wells or orson wells like back then could could do things that nobody had done like citizen kane on its own isn't i mean the movie's okay right i mean we've talked about citizen kane before but 
then you think about like all the stuff he did like if he could come to you know modern times and and use the technology we had i wonder what he could he could come up with yeah um okay so yeah green screens have been used over and over and over and over again um and here's a, a clip that I can. I haven't, I'm not gonna play it, but it's the scene in um, Justice League where they uh, bring Superman back to life, and he's you know fighting, fighting the Justice League, and so you could just see Henry Cavill's like back turned, and he's about to punch somebody, but there's a green screen behind it. Um, and then we green have screen, I, green screens. Maybe I blanked. Did we explain how a green screen worked? I no. just said. I mean, I said that we key it out key out the the yeah, the, the screen and, okay. and and bring up the picture so like well for people people who might not know what that means key it out mm-hmm. so uh, essentially what it is is you have a screen that's green and when you or blue bring that footage into a computer or blue it can, honestly it can be anything you yeah, can have as long as... you can have any color screen because what it is on the computers there's there's a program and essentially, you tell the program that if an image or a pixel is a certain color, then you should make that pixel transparent. You should show whatever it is. So you have layers. You kind of think of it as as paper. If you think of them as two paper sheets, one of them is painted green, and then you have a paper behind it. If you put these in front of each other, it'll automatically cut out whatever is green and so whatever is behind that image shows through. That's essentially how it works. And it can be any it can be any color, which is why we talk about blue screens and green screens. Um, they even have for the movie Dune, they actually used um, the gray screens because right. that was the best contrast that they could use um, and still get the dust and the environment they, that that dust environment was so important than these gray screens because that was the easiest way for them to get that you mm-hmm. know swirling wind caught on camera it's i'm surprised they, that dune didn't use led walls or virtual production stuff like that just because i don't know i i kind of attribute this virtual production to bigger scale movies even though i don't i don't know what the cost difference between the two uh practices are but it seems like these you know virtual production is a little more expensive green screen is definitely more budget friendly um although technology is getting to the point where it has become more budget friendly um but you still the the biggest hiccup for virtual production is you need some specialized equipment you need a really powerful computer um that's able to render images in real time that is you know you create a 3d environment you can essentially move a virtual camera around it and it has to create those images in real time without it without being full quality and not look like crappy and then the the second big uh the second big roadblock is you need a way to actually transfer transfer the camera's uh gyroscopic data so you need a you need a way to send the gyroscopic data from the computer into the computer it from the camera into the computer and you also need sensors to triangulate the camera in real space because that's the way that the information gets to the computer which is translated into the moving background image which is the led wall sounds complicated so you can really do it like if you get a uh, if you get a, a like a plasma screen TV, like if you get a large screen mm-hmm. and a computer, you can set a small one up for a couple thousand dollars. Like it's it's doable. I've seen I think I've even seen clips on YouTube. It's like set up a virtual studio for six hundred bucks. And it's always like a dude with a big TV and some like cheap versions of these tracking modules. And a computer that he like already owned or something like that. Right. So it's becoming more budget friendly, but it's a lot more complicated than than a green, green screen. screen. Yeah. And green screens are kind of complicated in themselves. Well, green screens are used. Yeah, they are. And like 
it seems like a lot green screens are being used a lot for i mean and i guess led walls would be too but for like driving scenes and stuff it mm-hmm. seems like people use green screens a lot for that now um i noticed that in uh if you ever seen the jay and silent bob reboot movie um i mean it, it looked really good like of course it's a you know large budget production so it's be- it better look good you know um, and then you watch movies like or not movies shows like the big bang theory i remember watching the big bang theory and you know they're just like sitting in a car and they're kind of doing this with the steering wheel and and you can you can <laughs> what totally, else are you supposed to do yeah <laughs> never, i mean never doing turns they're never but turning. like <laughs> but like the thing is is nobody nobody drives like this even even when they're like that's they, what kids do and and, and for those and you can't drive. you can't you can't see it, but I'm just kind of barely moving my. It's almost like milking a cow, right? Except for not as yeah. milking cows a little more intense. I'm I'm kind of like a little less. I'm a little bit less intense than milking a cow. Yeah, I don't even hold the wheel like that either. Yeah, I mean, I, I <laughs> if I'm if I'm driving like that with my hands on ten and two, I'm just still. That's what's funny about it. And like even in like the Jane Silent Bob reboot, uh, what's his name? I think it's Fred Fred Armisen. He's driving the car and he's just driving you know he's not doing this and that's what they do and and i remember uh watching the office and there's an episode called threat level midnight where michael has finally made his movie that he's been working on for like over a decade called threat level midnight and in the in the movie he's driving and you can tell it's like a green screen or something behind him and the way the way he's driving is so funny it's like he's like driving like he's kind of doing like like actually milking a cow but he's like turning his head like this, like he's like going through all this, like, cause it's raining, you know? So he's just kind of like, I don't know how to explain it through a podcast, but his, he's like wiggling his head as if his like, his car is just going through like turbulence, you know? Yeah. It's, it's so funny the way, anyway, that has nothing to do with, I just thought of that. I think um, driving scenes have become more visually appealing and less distracting. And the ladybird is a good example. Um, the mother and daughter scenes in the vehicle. And I, I like to pay attention to the backgrounds uh, just to see if there's anything obvious, but is there um, when you're drawn they, to, to the, when you're drawn to the acting, sometimes it, it could distract you from the visual. Yeah. That was a good movie. I would like labor. Um, were they driving in front of a green screen or do you know? I don't know for sure, but yeah. It, it, whatever it was, it looked, it looked good, pretty convincing. Yeah. Yeah. But there's certain examples, even in the MCU where, uh, certain shots of, of green scene, green screen look quite obvious. Like I forgot which movie was it where Tony Stark and, and Tom and Peter Parker are like, <laughs> oh my God, sorry. there's like a bunch of, I don't know. It's like, I don't know. Is it Don or about to be, uh, dusk. I don't know, but it is something <laughs> obvious. Looked uh, with the building, the backdrop. It was like, wow, that's totally a green screen. Lord of the Rings does a great job of blending you no know, green screen, uh, but not lingering on so- uh, shots too long. They like to mix uh, practical effect sets yeah. in as well. And, and well, that's a, a trilogy that stood the test of time that has aged very well. Yeah, I've watched so, those recently. It's so good. So we've Talked a little bit about green screen. We should explain what the virtual production is. Okay, but real quick, I just want to mention Deadpool, the original Deadpool, and probably the sequel is like 80% green screen as well. So like even like the first scene where he's fighting inside the the SUV, like if you ever watched behind the scenes, he's, he's just fighting inside of a car and there's a green screen behind him. And even like there's a lot of special effects in that movie. Oh my goodness. I remember they released that car scene years and years before the movie <laughs> released. They released, I'm putting yeah. they in quotations. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> yeah. Released. yeah. Somebody. That was, that, was like a, that was like a good five, I feel like five to six years before the movie came out. And it was, well, it took like not, 10, not touched on, not well, touched, needed touch ups, obviously, but it looked fantastic. Yeah. And an actual movie. Um, okay. We'll, we'll move on to, do you want to talk about the virtual production, Jake? You want me to? What is virtual yeah, production? I can talk about it. Okay, go for it. Well, virtual production is that's, you know, that's actually one of the things that I'm trying to set up at the studio I work for right now. And green screen and, and virtual production both have different challenges. Like you're talking about, Zach, the green screen, you could tell it's obvious. And that's because. Why, well, yeah, why is it obvious sometimes? Well, it's obvious. The not, thing, not with, obvious the thing with green screen 
is when you are filming on a green screen, you have your lighting. You've set up light. But then you go in and you have to get a clean plate. You have to get a background wherever you're going to be at. It's very difficult to match the lighting. A lot of things, but the lighting is what a lot of people notice first. The lighting on that you physically let your actors with and then the lighting of the background. Our, our minds are so in in tune with the world around us that subliminally we just understand when something is wrong. So when you shoot with a green screen, you have to be cognizant of the of the camera angle, the camera height, the lighting, the aperture, the focal length. Because if you shoot on someone, if you shoot someone with an 80 millimeter camera, say, and then you go and you get a clean paint that you've shot on like a 30, you can't put them over each other. It, it'll look absolutely bonkers. Your mind will rebel. So you have to be, you have to pay very careful attention to what your clean plate is going to be and, or your background is going to be and the mm -hmm. physical actors how they're lit and what the camera is so there's a lot of planning that goes between them mm -hmm. virtual production solves a lot of that because the way that virtual production works is once you have set up the essentially the sequence of pulling the camera's gyroscopic and triangulated data and putting that into a computer program what you essentially do is you can create a virtual environment um using free software by the way all these hollywood movies that that use this they they use unreal engine 5 oh yeah to, to back all of this which is a free program which is what um, they use for for video games video game yeah it's a video game system and some intelligent guy out there he was uh, like hey we could probably yeah he figured out this hey i can move i can move a camera in a video game to get what angle i want in the video game why can't we do this mm. you know in real life because you can they Cameras have all of their data embedded in raw, the raw data uh, and footage anyway. So if we can just get that data and put it into the game system, then hey. And so that's what they figured out. They can use Unreal Engine. They create a 3D environment, put it in Unreal Engine, and take the tracking data from the camera and assign it to what they call a virtual camera. Essentially, that's the camera's representation in the video game. And so when they move the camera, the real life movement data is sent to that virtual camera, which moves around in the virtual environment. And they create these massive LED walls, like the same type of video walls that you would see at like a sports arena or um, a, a, a concert event, you know, these massive LED walls. And they use that essentially as a giant computer screen with the virtual environment behind it. So when they That's move cool. the camera in real life, the virtual environment on the screens move and you get an accurate representation of the camera movement in correlation with the real life person standing in front of it. So they, get so to they don't have to worry about, they don't have to worry about lighting the person correctly anymore. A lot of times because to pick, they have, they make these giant domes. And so the 3d environment that they've set this person in does the lighting for them. They don't have to worry about the focal length or getting a, a clean plate because the focal length is all coming in through one camera. The camera will uh, put the lint, put the screen out of focus. So it's taking all the information from the camera and putting it in this virtual environment and cutting out a lot of the, a lot of the uh, planning process beforehand. Yeah. The Mandalorian behind the scenes, they utilize the dome. Yeah. For that show. Pretty that was the first time I learned about virtual production and on that front. That's uh, another plus the that the virtual production has is because it's using a real screen and real kind of like dynamic environment, you can use reflective objects and clear objects and objects that you normally would shy away from when using a green screen. Because how do you how do you deal with the reflections in a glass of water? if it's in front of a green screen like how do you how do you reflect all of the changing you know ripples that goes through it or if someone's wearing glasses glasses are terrible in front of a green screen because it distorts and and you got to worry about that with an led wall it reflects and so they don't have to worry about it and actors 
don't have to use well they use I guess less of their imagination when it comes yeah. to, well, to environment job is imagination right? <laughs> yeah, not just actors but you know dps don't have to worry about you know what something might look like mm -hmm. um in order to to shoot it they can just be like oh there it is it's yeah it's a giant screen and so you know they there's actually a new production role that's that has started to be popular in Hollywood, and that's the virtual production assistant. It's essentially someone who knows Unreal Engine inside out, and the DP can come up to him and say, "Oh, we're going to shoot this scene, you know, at six o'clock. We're it's going to be in the afternoon, and then we're going to have a, a the scene at the same location in the morning. We're going to do an interior. We're going to do an exterior. We're going to do a day. We're going to do a night. We're going to do a time lapse, and the virtual production artist can." move a virtual light they can set the time of day they can move the uh they can move the 3d assets and they go oh i don't i don't want this you know outhouse in the background over here i want it a little further to the left and they can do that and they can do that in real time and the dp can sit up with a real camera with a real lens look through it compose their shot in real life and then when they move the camera the the background moves dynamically and so you get accurate parallax. Yeah, it's pretty. Uh, it's pretty dope. Like it, it's kind of complicated when you explain it. Not not because it's you, but just because you're a person and I can't see it. Um, but one of my friends who I went to college with sent a link um, to me and some of my other friends, and that's the link I sent you guys earlier uh, to kind of explain it on. I was like, I was like, this is pretty cool. Like I, I kind of knew about it because I know that. I think it was. Um, when I would go to the movies, I would see these little, either the movies or just like on YouTube, I can't remember, but I would see like these little, um, commercials for Ant-Man and the Wasp and Quantum Mania and they used the LED walls and that stuff, that was the first I had heard of it. Like, I didn't know that's what was going on in Hollywood. I just assumed it was all green screen, you know, cause that's what I'm used to is just, you know, green screen stuff. But then I saw that and when she sent that. I was I, I watched I watched uh, about the first, you know, five minutes of it or something. It was about 15 minutes long. And just that I was like, like, this is something we need to talk about because it's, you know, you got to think about like all the construction that goes into that. These, you know, you, you like we worked or no, I worked at Channel Channel 4 and Channel 16 and we had these giant, you know, screens and it was like. I think one of them, we called it the uh, North North Nine, I think, because it was the north of the studio and it had nine monitors that were connected. And I thought that was, like, impressive. And then I see these LED walls and I'm like, that would look cool <laughs> in my bedroom, you know? <laughs> it's like, it's kind of like, have you ever seen the movie Smart House? No. Yeah. Okay, it's a new Disney original movie and they have, it's not the, really the same concept, but there's a, a feature the house has that can uh, turn your turn the wall into like this you know setting and it's kind of like it reminds me of the these led walls where it's like a virtual know, cube i mean seriously and yeah, it, yeah it's more yeah. of a dome but yeah, yeah. zach dome well, if you're i'm talking about your room yeah the no it, yeah yeah i mean <laughs> on the ceiling I, too yeah why not i mean it'd be it'd be pretty cool to see um but you know, I saw I saw that in Ant Man, and I thought I didn't. You know, and then I looked it up, and I think um, I read that Avatar was kind of the first to to really really utilize this this process of LED walls and stuff. I didn't really too much into it. I just kind of you know skimmed over it, um, and I thought, well, that makes sense because you know Avatar is so heavily reliant on CGI and stuff. It it helps you know for. And it's not a real, it's not a real place. What is it called? Pandora? I think that's what it's called. Um, I, it's been a long time since I see the original Avatar and I watched it once and that was it for me. So, um, <laughs> but you know, you get, you have these fantastic scenes that don't exist. And so it helps for actors and, and people to see what it looks like while they're acting, you know? And so, um, and then of course, since then it's been kind of properly used, um, throughout Hollywood. And I actually found an article, um, 12 movies you had no idea were shot on virtual sets. Do you want to hear the movies? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. 
All right, so here's what I got so far is Oblivion, and I think that's the movie. Honestly, with, that tracks. Yeah, Matt is that Matt Damon in that movie? Uh, that? No, no Tom Cruise. Brad Pitt. Tom Cruise. Tom, yeah, Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. Yeah, I see it now. Um, He's one of those beautiful men. The Lion King, the live action remake. That makes sense too. I thought because uh, you know that whole thing is CGI. That's like technically an animated movie, right? Um, yes. <laughs> Rogue One, a Star Wars story. So Rogue One used it. That makes sense as well. Uh, the Irishman used it. I thought that was surprising. I still have yet to see The Irishman, but um, I didn't realize they used virtual sets. Hmm. Yeah. The Midnight Sky. I've never heard of this movie. Um, All different genres of I, yeah. Bull, Bullet Train used it. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> War for the Planet of the Apes. I think that's the third one, I believe. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Red Notice with The Rock and Ryan Reynolds. Um, Zach, you're going to like this. The Batman. I mean. How about the Joker? How about Joker? Just looking at it's curious. The, the scene where Batman and Catwoman are, are standing on the skyscraper where the bat oh, signal yeah. is. Yeah. yeah that, that, that seemed a little suspicious fakey yeah. yeah like like i didn't realize gotham was so beautiful you know um <laughs> ford versus ferrari never seen it but i've that was a good movie yeah. yeah i heard i heard good things ghost in the shell have y'all seen that movie no i think like the good. first 20 minutes it was good um if y'all have ever seen the original anime i've seen the anime good. yeah the anime is pretty good too um but i, I mean i like like people didn't like that movie because it was whitewashed and stuff with Scarlett Johansson, but I was like, yeah, it looked cool to me. Why aren't they speaking Japanese? <laughs> it's like, because I don't know. That's Why not Americanize it? It's... Well, quick, quick, <laughs> quick rant. Now I bet I've seen, I bet I've said this before, but you make an American remake of something. You got to expect for American people, American actors to be in it. Like that's what people don't exactly. Understand. You see, like they do like, you know, Dragon Ball and they ghost in the shell and, and uh death note. And then they're like, it's an American remake. I'm like, well, why do you go to Americans in it? It's like, cause it's an American remake. Like it's American, not remake adaptation. Excuse mm-hmm. me. They want to appeal to a broader audience. Yeah. And like, I like it. I don't like, I don't need it to have Japanese people in it because the people who the characters in the show, the animated version of it don't look Japanese. Yeah, a lot know. of anime characters don't look true. You don't know it there. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just kind of funny like that. And then you make an American adaptation. People get mad when there's Americans in it. Uh, Top Gun Maverick. Have y'all seen that yet? No. Oh my God. That movie's so no, good. I watched the, I watched the first Top Gun like in preparation of it. And um, this might be a controversial take. No, dude. It's don't. not good. No, it's not. Uh, <laughs> it's not I a watch, good movie. All, no. all, like my dad, all my uncles, all of them like, oh, Top Gun, oh, it's so good. Oh, I'm like, this is mediocre. Let me, yeah, let me just say that I watch mediocre in terms of what Visuals? everything. Well, it's not that good a movie. It's the the lead character, Tom Cruise. His character doesn't change oof. or grow at all. He's a Mary Sue. He gets everything given. Gary's to him. He doesn't do anything. Yeah, like he's an asshole, and he still gets the the girl. Girl, like, girl. It's, yeah, it's stupid. Well, it's fits for that time period whenever it came out. Maybe here's the thing, and Macho. and I I agree with you, Jake. Like it's I watched a boomer it, movie. I watched it, and I was like, oh, this is Top Gun, like weird. Yeah, and then, you hear all these great things, and it's well, like, eh. well, we watched it in preparation for Top Gun Maverick, and. When I for, very first time I watched it, I was like, okay, that, that was just okay. And then I we they turned it on again. I was at my friend's house, and at the time, my friends lived with um, their parents, and so I I they the parents turned it on, and we watched it again, and, and it was a little better the second time. But I was like, it's still like there's nothing good as far as the storytelling aspect, except for when goose dies, when goose dies, I was like, Oh, that sucks. You know? Yeah. Cause that was like his best friend. Um, but then you watch top gun Maverick, dude, if you haven't seen top gun Maverick, you should watch it at least once. Like it's, it's like light years from the original top gun. It's just, it's well, so, it's so much better. Yeah. It's so the first one was not impressive. No, it was, it's so much better. Um, than the, the first one. 
Now, what's um, cool with virtual production is, while most people think of virtual production with using the LED walls, you technically don't have to, right? Like, you can technically use virtual production workflows with green screens as well. It's just right. you're not going to have the dynamic lighting and, like, reflections mm -hmm. that you see because the green screen, will you can put anything on it, right? Mm -hmm. So that's another thing. If you're able to... If you're able to at least afford the computer that can run it and some of the like systems to 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 get the data off the camera, this gets a lot cheaper because you don't have to buy like a giant 15 foot LED wall. You got to yeah. think more about the lighting, you know, mm -hmm. but the virtual production, like the Unreal Engine, you can still put in the cameras, like what camera and lens you're using. So you get proper chromatic aberrations and proper you know uh, focal distancing and things like that it, it's still possible to do it with green screen which is why right. it's interesting people make a delineation between green screen and virtual production when technically uh you can still do virtual production with green screen it's just right. not as fancy yeah i mean I've, i watched um i remember watching an episode of house and house was doing this thing where he married a a girl so she can get a green card and then the um, immigration was going to like come to their house and make sure they were married and so they were taking they were taking pictures like vacation pictures but it was in front of a it was in front of a green screen but you could see on the computer that they were using like you could see that they had keyed out the green and added like you know a beach scene and stuff like that so you could do that like totally like go in front of green screen and then say, this is what it's going to look like, you know, yeah. with a, with them in front of them. But um, it is a little more difficult than say having a giant led wall and being like, Oh, so this is what the quantum realm looks like. Yeah. Got it. You know? So it is a little more interesting. I think if I were an actor or, or even just a filmmaker to use a, a led wall as opposed to a green screen, because with a green screen, you're just acting in front of a screen or a wall basically. Yeah. There's so. some there's some people who have spoken out against the virtual production sets because they feel that it is too much. They really? yeah, so the naysayers basically say that it stifles creativity because you have too many options. If you can make anything and do anything at any time, it prevents the producers and the directors of actually thinking their shots through beforehand so instead of saying instead of blocking the scene i'm like we're gonna have the actor here the actress here the background here with this lens on this camera i think it's like oh we'll just get him on the virtual production put him on put him on the floor and move the background around oh i don't like that change this angle change that angle and so it kind of has the people who dislike it say it's made filmmakers lazy and mm. and i've noticed that a little bit i i feel like i've noticed the most in mandalorian season two the the first one was pretty on point but the second one you started seeing the seams um i noticed a lot of their sets like the the environment that the characters it is in was round like they were in like round bars, round, you know, quarries, round this, round that, because they were shooting in mm -hmm. a LED dome well. and they didn't have the creativity to to think beyond that. They just used the dome that they were in. And so you really started seeing mm -hmm. the seams of like, oh, that's where the end of the set is. Yeah. And that's where the virtual production begins. Interesting. It, yeah, I guess it does. It can take away some of the blocking and stuff like that I could totally see both sides it makes it easier though you know and i bet it makes the filmmaking process a little quicker um you know what i mean like if if you're if you don't have to spend time spend as much time maybe rehearsing and blocking and all that you can kind of get to shooting a little bit quicker and then be done a little bit quicker depending not depend on you know like uh if they have deadlines which all film all films do like all productions uh -huh. do. Um, and so it's like, if, if they want to make the deadline or if they don't want to go over budget and stuff like that, I could see, I could totally see using led wall, but if, you know, if it's like an indie film, clearly yeah, you, you might not use an led wall, 
You know, I mean, you might, but with an I indie feel film, like it's a double-edged sword. Yeah. If you have a a skilled DP and team who know their stuff and they know what they want, I think it could speed up the production process because they already know like we're going to do scene, you know, scene two, scene five, scene seven, scene six, block A, B, C. We're going to move the camera here. The background is going to be here and they can just have the virtual production designer have those scenes ready to go and switch it really fast and easy. Whereas if you're working with someone who is not as organized, who is kind of flying up by the seat of their pants, they're like, oh, let's see what's going on. I can see it slowing down the production because they don't have that creative vision already in their mind. And they spend so much time playing around with the scenes to see what they like <laughs> as opposed to it's what's like a, planned and what's needed. It's like looking for paint. You know, yeah, <laughs> you're just like, put this one up against the wall, put this one up against the wall, put this one exactly. up against the wall. <laughs> That's what George Lucas did with episode one. What put paint up against the wall? Basically, showing the storyboard of what was going to be virtual or CGI and not. It was, oh, it was just sorry. kind of at the at the whim. This yeah. is going to be CGI. This is going to be real. This is not going to be real. And you could see the reaction of the. the That's I think hilarious. It was choice. It was, I think, edited in such a way to come make the some of the people question like his decision making. He's going crazy, and this He's is his first big, <laughs> first big movie. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I guess that's the kind of the. I mean, I wonder when they're. I mean, I guess they. I guess they do use, because I was just thinking, you know, back to the local weather, you know, like there were times where we at, at Channel 4 or KRK, where we used the screen for weather instead of uh, the green screen. Sometimes we'd move them over the North 9 and be like, boom. CNN man. does that has the big screens, like a lot of the big networks, like when they're talking about weather or you know, election season, they yeah. have or even traffic there. They have the big old screens that they could touch and everything. Yeah. And we use, we use, we use the screens for traffic almost always, but you know, we didn't for weather, but there were times where we use them for weather for some reason. I'm not sure why just, just what the producer wanted to do was use the screens instead of a green screen. Makes Uh, you wonder if they're just going to go one day with like local news, especially go straight, just, screens instead of get rid of the LEDs. Get, get rid of those green screens i'm sure that's a cost thing obviously but one day perhaps yeah but if they did it i mean the only thing they'd have to pay for after that is maintenance mm-hmm. um which i guess it's kind of the same it's it might be easier just to keep a, a green screen because you don't have to worry about it getting fixed uh, True. Might, to, might have to repaint it after so long but that's about it. Um, I guess if, if there's no issues, then I just just keep it. Keep it. Yeah, totally. Like, what's a horrible example of green screen or virtual production that you've seen in in movies? It's what's one like, st- not for comedic effect, but for just like, uh, oh, just so obvious. Well, you know, you you have um, older movies that used. I mean, it wasn't like an LED wall, but they use rear rear projection where they would put a projector behind a screen and then, you know, you'd have like a treadmill and it looked like somebody was walking, you know, or you'd have a their drive. It's kind of the same, like the big bang theory, except big bang theory uses a green screen. But back then they, they use that and, you know, they're driving and behind it, you know, is, is, is this thing, this scene being projected to make it look like they're driving a car. True. Oh yeah. And a lot of the black and white movies, like people sitting down at a restaurant in Paris, yeah, it looks looks like archive B-roll of people in the background. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm looking to see if I can find um, examples, bad examples, but it's not, it's only giving me, it's only giving me like, like um, bad things about virtual production and stuff i want i want to see like i don't I, top 10 bad examples yeah <laughs> i put i just put bad examples of virtual production it's like 10 virtual production essentials 10 things you need to know and i'm like no i don't want to i don't want that well um, while he's looking that up that leads me to interesting if there is if there is something about virtual production you do want to know if there is anything about virtual production that you do want to know if you want to learn how to do it unreal I, engine by uh, the wall. company 
has they actually re- released a Pre-version, virtual right. production field guide. Oh, cool. For free. Yeah. It's a 100-page document with with intensive instructions basically. Um let me let me pull it up. Go for it. Let's see. Uh it's got four chapters. Uh introduction virtual production in detail the production in action so that's like the benefits um the features uh, the the uh the production pipeline so that's a that's another big difference between the traditional production and a virtual production is the vfx portion of the production is flipped so in a traditional production you've got the story you know the writer comes in then you've got like Preparation, art, locations, construction. Then you have the production, which is the shoot. And then you send it off to VFX and editing. The VFX artists come in. The editing team comes in. The color grades come in. And that becomes the movie. Whereas virtual production, it switched because you have to involve the art department and the VFX artists at the very beginning. If you know you want to use them. So you have the story. But then you have to get the VFX artists, the art department, and the studio all together at the same time to re- to create and review the virtual production sets. And once you build that, then it goes to production with the director of photography and post-production is the edit. Unreal wow. Engine. So, yeah. It's a, it's yeah. open software and oh, yeah. a decent Engine. computer. It is, it is free, mm-hmm. open software. Um, free 100% for filmmakers. It's free 100% for video game designers as well. The only caveat for video games is they take a 5%, um, a uh, 5% take of your profits. If you sell more than a million, if you make a million dollars of profit, they take 5% of your profits from that. So they're a really cool company. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen some cool um, fan-made projects uh, using Unreal Engine, like Legend. I actually just watched it uh, right before we started. Was Legend of Zelda: Ocarina of Time, where someone went in and just kind of did the whole whole thing in Unreal Engine. And I'm like, photorealistic. Oh yeah. man, it looks let me great. tell you with uh, with the latest update of Unreal Engine Five. I think it's five point two. Um, both video games, but film, uh, the film production is going to be indistinguishable from real life. Uh, there is a game trailer that came out recently for a video called Unrecord. It's a first-person shooter game. Um, it legitimately looks like real life. Oh, I think I know what you're talking about. I, I could not tell it's, that it was fake. So it's, it's to be a VR like it's a, game, right? It's not a VR game, no. no. I mean, the movements um, look like VR. It's set up as if it's a police uh, body cam, and the camera react like the video game camera reacts to changing uh, the changing light. Like if you go from a dark room to a light room, it overexposes for a second. the The fidelity of the the, the environment just looks real, um, and so I can imagine once. Hmm. That becomes, you know, commonplace for film. You're going to be able to have a virtual production set that, especially once it's bokeh out from the camera, it will be indistinguishable from real life. Yeah, I'm looking at the the gameplay now. I thought it was an airsoft video yeah. when I first watched it. It looks good. <laughs> Yeah, it looks like a body cam perspective with the jarring, well, realistic movements. It doesn't seem like a typical first-person shooter game where movements it looks, are stiff. It's a little too clear to be body cam, but I get the concept. Like you, you watch a body cam even nowadays, like it's not that clear, you know. But like body it, cam in terms but you guys of physical can, movements. But you guys, can well, I know what you meant. That better. looks. Like it looks real. real. Yeah, it does look like real life. Um, it looks really good. Well, some there are some parts where I'm like, okay, that's you know that's not real, but most. I mean, you can tell like textures. The, the person's movement, yeah. like yeah, like, it's the part it's, when he runs upstairs. But if you're using that as a virtual production set as a background, the person moving the camera is going to be a real person. 
there's not going to be anything to give it away. When does this come out? That I don't know. <laughs> what? You mean you, you? I'm just kidding. Who knows? You need a big rig for that. I'm using sure. it as an example. The fact that no, the I, 3D graphics have become essentially indistinguishable from real life, well, which is going to be completely game changing for both video games, but yeah. especially virtual production. I saw this. Uh, Why don't you just create a movie like looking as good as that? Well, like you know, there was a movie called Hardcore Henry that was all first person. I wonder if, if they used like what. I never looked at behind the scenes, but you know, have y'all seen that movie Hardcore Henry? Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's all first person, the whole thing. And I'm wondering if they used some sort of, um, engine like this or, or what I'm, I'm now. I'm, did hard, uh, did hardcore Henry use that? No. Hardcore Henry had about 10 different cameramen mm-hmm. all wearing a custom made helmet with cameras on it. Probably like stuntmen and stuff. Yeah. Like not, not, not little GoPros either. Like, full-on like canon dslr sized cameras in front of their faces wow this is crazy i'm still looking at this trailer yeah it looked it, like I, I ran across this meme and it made me think of when i was a kid and it was like um it was a picture of, of stone cold steve austin in like a wrestling picture but it was an n64 so it was from him from N64 and it said something like back when we, you know, these, when we would say stuff like these graphics are so realistic and that was the Nintendo 64. And, you know, now we look at it and it's like completely blocky and polygons and blah, 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 blah. And it just looks horrible. But, you know, back then we didn't know any better. We didn't know, we didn't know where the future was heading as far as graphics go. So at the time, they looked as realistic as they could. So we just assumed or not assumed. We just thought they looked realistic, but now we look back and it's just like, it's like a polygonal body, but then they, they stuck stone colds, you know, picture on it or something. It's very, very like clear. You know, the one thing I notice is it's very like, it's just like, if they do it right, it's indistinguishable from real life. You know, mm-hmm. it's very, very cool. Um, and I, I can kind of see, where, like you said, Jake, the naysayers, you know, where it kind of makes filmmakers a little more lazier, but yep. look at the thing that's that's better and faster and cheaper and blah, 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 blah. And that's what we yes. use it. George Lucas, it. George Lucas helped popularize green screen and this type of technology. And now we're adapting to other forms of this and it's going to become the norm. Yeah. Uh, what's the what's the next big uh, revolutionary tech when it comes to movie making would you say mm. uh you know um the other day it's my brother's birthday and so we went over to my niece's house and um her husband had this really cool drone that you wear goggles with mm. it was so dope like you're up there in the sky with the drone not saying they're going to try to use that for movie making, but just thinking about that, you know. Oh, well, they are. It's just the possibilities. I mean, yeah, they. I mean, they totally could. It's just yeah, we don't need a helicopter anymore. Yeah, I know. They you absolutely know. use drones for. for well, I'm, so, I'm not saying they don't use drones. I'm saying I put on a pair of goggles and I was up there with the drone. You know what I mean? Instead of looking through mm-hmm. it on my phone. It was just, it was really cool piece of tech. So, you know, just what do they think of next? I guess is what I'm saying. It's like, like you said, they don't use helicopters anymore, even for the news, you know, the news. I remember going to football games when I was a kid and helicopters would fly over because they were trying to get shots (laughs) of the game. And now it's, they take a drone out there and they'll shoot if they want to get a a shot up in the air. Um, They have choppers in San Antonio still. Really? Yeah. To get to places quicker. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I guess that makes sense. They actually stations share the chopper. Mm-hmm. Well, so, it's like it's like yeah. airlifting a person to the hospital. You know, you're not gonna yeah. put them in an ambulance if they need to go right away. It's like putting a drone in a car. We need to yeah. get there. Let's... Even choppers, they have a, a time limit. They have to fill up on gas. Uh, drones are limited as well. Mm-hmm. Huh. I feel like the next steps in, for something like this is not necessarily technology, like equipment based but more of the production flows but with how interconnected our internet access is i imagine there's going to be a lot more uh 
like multi-user production planning programs. Oh, so like, sure. So kind of like, you know, Google Docs or, or Google Sheets, you can get a whole bunch of people on it and edit at the same time. They're, stuff like that's already out. So like Frame.io mm-hmm. uh, from Adobe, DaVinci Resolve just came out with their version of it. I imagine there will be something like that, but within Unreal Engine 5 or 3D programs so that you can get the oh, art yeah. director, the DP, the virtual production engineer all in you know Unreal Engine 5 together and create oh. a scene and also and all get it approved so i imagine it'll probably be more on the pre-production side of things well you know it might be I think possible so they, eventually I think with the pandemic they'd be doing that already well i think i read somewhere that um i said something about the pandemic and how oh yeah virtual production took off during the pandemic and expanded possibilities for teams and media teams and media and entertainment and saving them time and money in post-production yeah, but I think there's cons to it too, with the absence of being in a real environment. Well, yeah, I, and you know. and the, and a lot of these people that work for movie companies, you know, with the VFX folks, it's just the whole behind the scenes aspect. They're on contracts, and then they switch in, bring in new people. It's like as long as there's cohesion uh, with all the employees, I feel like it, 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 it would work in terms of the workflow. Yeah, totally. I, I bet eventually they'll start doing a. Whole like filming whole movies over oh, robots. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> like, like a Zoom production over Zoom. <laughs> they just need the actors present yeah. physically. Yeah. yeah, that's all. And then your director can be on the computer. Well, yeah, there is there is this guy, um, this channel. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, I guess it's kind of like uh, automatic in, cameras. Yeah, there's this guy um, in Hubert. So we're talking about just indie productions, one man crews, I think technology like this will absolutely make that possible. And we're already seeing that in some cases, there's a guy in Hubert who's made, um, these short films, uh, entirely by himself. It's like him, his wife, like one or two actors that he's hired, but he does everything. He does the video, the audio, the editing, the graphics. And it's like these like post apocalyptic cyberpunk, you know, uh, kind of like, so, uh, kind of like a Blade Runner, but more hectic, right? Um, and he has it all by himself. Um, and they're like 20, 30 minutes long each. Hmm. And they're Jeez. good too. Like I, I watched them and, and they're fantastic. Hmm. But, and he uses the same process of, of essentially shooting in front of a green screen, yeah, okay, creating the virtual environments, compositing them in, and... And doing everything. He has some really cool videos of how to do that. And uh, another great YouTube channel uh, is the Cinematography Database. That's the channel name. And this gentleman uh, essentially has tracked his uh, learning process of Unreal Engine 5 and virtual production as well. So you can actually see him from the very beginning. And he's been doing this for like three or four years now. So there's he has like uh, 115 videos. Wow. So you can watch the entire process of yeah. every time he learns something new, he's and he actually watched him build a virtual production studio, which is really cool. It is really cool. I, I was looking at downloading Unreal Engine and trying to teach myself. Um, I don't know if that'll actually happen, but I am considering going back to school for computer science. So I don't know, maybe, maybe learn this might be a, a good fit for you, Justin. There is a Steam game. If anyone, if you're a, a DP or a gaffer who might be listening, there is a Steam game called Cine Tracer, and that's a game in Unreal Engine 4. I don't know if they're going up to update it to Unreal Engine 5. Right now, it's just an Unreal Engine 4. Um, but it is a essentially a realistic cinematography simulator. So you have it has the cameras and lenses and the lighting equipment that you would use in real life. You can create a virtual scene, light it with production specific lighting. So you can go like, oh, we're going to use an Ari with a 50 lens. We're going to use aperture lights or maybe we have like a Helios. Hmm. We're going to have a moon cube. You can actually put those in the scene and then get out your virtual camera and block your scene. No, oh, there it is. God, it's $90. It is $90, but <laughs> hey, if you're if you're in production, yeah. 
Yeah. And this is something you do that actually makes you money, then it might be worthwhile. I'm looking at some of the gameplay right now. It's like The Sims, but not. <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't use the character model. I would use it for the lighting. I would just use it just I mean to it, it could be a fun, shots. Well, it could be a fun game for like advanced level film students uh for them to kind of learn you know, placement and all that stuff and blocking exactly. if they need to do it and all that good stuff. That's kind of neat. I, I might look into this. I don't, I don't have any games on steam just cause I don't really sit at my computer and play games, but um, this looks pretty cool. Cause you can learn how to, Oh look, he's using a crane. Yeah. <laughs> like they have, they have actual like this, this, the, the creator of this uh, Matt workman actually, you know, put in production specific equipment Mm-hmm. and production specific lighting cameras lenses so you can pick your camera pick your lens pick your lighting pick what equipment you're going to use with it and you can essentially create a virtual set and block your your set before yeah. you ever go into real life well before i buy this game there's a game on about that i've been wanting to buy on steam called <laughs> sea of thieves have y'all seen have y'all ever played the game night of the dead i think it's called night of the dead it's no. a it's a rail shooter where you, you know, go through and you shoot zombies that are coming at you. It's kind of like what you see at an arcade. Like I think a I played that in on GameCube. It's like, well, yeah, I think it is on GameCube, but it's like, a, like what you see on um when you go to like Dreamcast, a pizza, rather, like right. a yeah, it, it is. It's definitely on Dreamcast. Um, when you, when you go to like a pizza arcade or a movie arcade, and they always have those those shooter games, those shooter arcade games where you hold the gun and you shoot, and it's just moving for you. That's a yeah. rail shooter, and but they have a another game that's in the same universe, if you will, called Typing of the Dead, where you <laughs> instead of guns, you type words that are over their heads, and that's how it kills them. And like every time you, cool. every, yeah, every time you hit a key, it shows like a gunshot. So if you're typing a word and you're like. You know, it's like a ten letter word. And you see gunshots go as every time you type. It's really cool. And I've always wanted. And like, I know this is totally off topic, but um, for the Dreamcast, which is what it it came out on, it came with its own like keyboard. I I wanted it so bad, but now it's so freaking expensive. Um, anyway, sorry, but once I get that, I'll look into this Cine Tracer. Now I'll probably look into this first. Actually, it looks pretty cool. Okay. I think just figure out the the YouTube page that I just told you the cinematography database. Yeah, I think is the same guy who created Cine Tracer. The Cine Tracer. Ooh, Matt Workman. I think so. Wow. Well, that makes sense. I'll put it on my wish list. Is there a wish list? Oh yeah, here it is. All right, cool. Well, uh, I guess that can conclude our conversation on virtual production and green screens uh anything else you guys want to add or you good i think it's exciting like we said before i think depending on who uses it it could either be a hindrance or it could be an asset but like it or not uh it's here to stay and it's only going to become more popular so you might as well learn to use it if you haven't already if there's one thing i've learned about film is when new technology comes around and it works we're going to use it you know, and we're going to use it until we can't use it anymore, um, which is never, you know, they just make it, figure out a way to make it better. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, I totally agree with you. It's sorry, but if you don't like it, it's not going anywhere. It's just not. So sorry, Zach. <laughs> I don't mind. <laughs> as long as it's a good blend of practical. Yeah, I would agree. And, I would agree with that. Yeah. And, and this whole thing, uh, Lord of the Rings, my favorites. Uh, so real quick, uh, before we go, I went to little Caesars and they were out of pizza. What? Yeah. That's like their whole shtick. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't even say anything. I just drove off. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he was like, we're, uh, out of pizza. I was like, we'll drive away. <laughs> and then so I, nonchalantly. Yeah. And then I, I, um, I mentioned it on Twitter with, and I, you know, I added a uh, little Caesars and they were like, please call customer service so we can write this wrong. Essentially. And you know, that's not what they said, but that's what they're Give me a free pizza. At. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, oh, I want some, oh, I didn't, I didn't care to have anything free. I just thought it was funny. I was really craving 
because I went to uh, see Evil Dead Rise, and in the movie they buy pizza, and I'm like, oh, pizza <laughs> good, like it looks really good, and I want some. And then I went to Little Caesars, and so Little Caesars is cheaper than say Papa John's or Pizza Hut, so that's where I went, and they were out, so I went home. Anyway, then, excellent. The Flash trailer, lots of. Um, green screen and other forms of oh yeah fake CGI. backgrounds yeah i'm wouldn't be surprised they use some of those uh led walls we've been talking about <laughs> anyway sure. all right well thanks for listening to us uh talk about boring stuff that we like and not many people do i don't know they probably do if they're listening to us right we have a niche audience yeah just we'll listen thank you for listening to us sound or act like we know what we're talking about check us out on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, amazon music youtube uh and spotify uh check us out our other episodes and if you have any ideas for episodes that you'd like us to uh talk about then please hit us up um if you have any movies you want us to watch please hit us up you can also check out check us out on uh any social media facebook twitter instagram fantastic mr podcast uh so with that we're going to say goodbye um and we will see you uh next uh, time right guys absolutely have a fantastic day have a fantastic day or evening bye, bye.